0: i Giacomo, and this is the Ask and Answered podcast. This is Revision Legal's podcast on typically internet and intellectual property law. And I'm normally joined by my partner, Eric Mastarevich, but he is gone today because he had a kid uh, on Thursday, or excuse me, on Wednesday of this week. So he is enjoying that, and I am joined today by Tina Schuett. And Tina is the owner, the co-owner of Rare Bird Brewpub. Uh, she's also a friend of ours and a client, and we've worked with her for a long time, so we're really excited to have her. Tina, how is how is your Friday? Happy Friday.
1: Happy Friday. It's going good.
0: <laughs> so, Thanks
1: for having me. Yeah,
0: thank you for doing this. And the reason we're having you do this, um, as we discussed before we jumped on air, is because It's really interesting. I think your story is really interesting, (laughs) and I think other people would find your story to be really interesting, um, not from a legal perspective, though there are some things that are kind of interesting from a legal (laughs) perspective, but I think people love beer. Uh, People kind of want to know how you get into beer and how you start a brewery and what that whole process is like. So I just wanted to talk to you about it today, and that's kind of where I think this will go. So let's kind of start... At the ground floor, and can you tell me how you got into beer, into beer making?
1: Yep. So, just like pretty much anybody else, I started homebrewing in college. And it's one of those obsessions that just kind of stuck around, which it does for a lot of people. Everybody starts homebrewing and is like, oh man, I want to be a brewer someday.
0: Did you buy the uh, Charlie Papazan book? What, what uh, yep, that?
1: Joy of Homebrewing. Okay. Had that, yep. I just had a friend teach me in college, though, and then stuck with it. And in between that time of like learning and graduating college, I was um, a park ranger. I worked in some vineyards in New Zealand, like the grunt laborer. I did children's health research, and eventually, I just kind of got sick of that indoor office life, and thought, "All right, I'm I'm gonna try and pursue the brewing stuff." So you just really have to apply to like every brewery and say, you know, like I know I'm not gonna be a brewer right away. I'll fill kegs, I'll wash tanks, I'll do whatever I have to do to get my foot in. And luckily, one of them. Let me get my foot in and then train me to be a brewer, and that's where it went from there.
0: So, you said somebody let you in. Was that somebody in here in Traverse City?
1: Nope. It was in um, Black River Falls, Wisconsin, Sand Creek Brewery. Okay. So, it was about two hours away from where I was living in, like, Milwaukee area. Okay. Kind of middle of nowhere. It was it was an interesting move into a population, like, couple thousand towns. <laughs>
0: And so what What year was this? Is this prior... I mean, obviously now it's really popular. Craft brew is popular.
1: Yeah. This it is was, probably the
0: forefront, I'm assuming. It was
1: like 2009, 2010, I think. Okay. Yeah, so it was a while ago. I mean, craft beer is definitely booming, but still not to the extent that it is. I mean... Right. It was kind of, I don't know, toddler years, I'd say. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well... Okay, so you get into brewing. Well, you get into this brewery. Mm -hmm. And so how do you start, how do you get from there to being a production brewer?
1: Well, I don't think my story is very normal. Normally, if you look at like anybody else and when you're applying to like more head brewer jobs and stuff, it says you need like five years brewing experience, like just working in a brewery. And I went from scrubbing floors to owning and operating my own brewery in about five years, four years, maybe. I mean, it wasn't long. So that's just it's it's not normal.
0: No, but it's cool. It's awesome. That's why you're here. It
1: was just yeah, it was just (laughs) complete dumb luck at times. But so I went from Sand Creek, um, mainly doing like filtration every day, getting to brew a little bit here and there, helping with the kegging, the bottling, and I just. The location was really hard in that small town and um, kind of knocking heads with the management. And so I started kind of looking around at other breweries, hoping to move. And I randomly ran into Russell, the owner of Right Brain, at a beer fest in Madison and I had already given my notice at Sand Creek, just like whatever happens, I got to do something. And so while I was there, he he offered me the job here at Ripe right Brain. And I was familiar with it because my mom's from the area. My grandma's here. So we come every summer. I knew Ripe right Brain. I love the area. And I thought, it's perfect. So I'll just move there, be a brewer there. And so it, when I moved here, that's when I met Nate, my business partner. And uh, we hit it off in... Coincidentally, about a week after I started there, him and a slew of other people (laughs) got fired.
0: The mass exodus. The mass
1: exodus. But we kept in contact, and he approached me one day saying, you know, I have a really cool idea. I want to start a brewery. The original plan was to take over the old Right Brain location. We knew they were moved. Okay, we know this is a proven location that works. People are going to be kind of coming here by chance, anyways, not knowing necessarily the right brain move. So let's take this spot, and it just progressed from there. Obviously, we're not there anymore. Um, we went through a big debacle with the the building owner. Yeah, so
0: let's talk about that a little bit. And you, you can, <laughs> I know you. It, it would be difficult to remain PC on some of this.
1: I'll try to keep kinda, it anonymous. I'll keep it anonymous. Well
0: you don't know, it, it this is a podcast, you can say whatever the fuck you want. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so um, let's you have this building. You really are into the building. You know it's good because you have foot traffic, you know the f- people are Connected to that location, it was the
1: most popular spot in Traverse City. Yeah,
0: it's based, for listeners, this was a spot where after work everybody would go there. Mm-hmm. Everybody knew it was there. Like
1: standing room only.
0: Yeah, definitely, and that's kind of I fell in love with this until city until
1: the mass firing. He right. fucked it up,
0: <laughs> right? So you find the spot. What? Why? What happens? Why can you not get the spot?
1: So we work with the the building owner, and part of his deal is that for him to kind of be a part of it, he was going to be part owner of it. He wanted his daughter to be a part of it. And so we worked for probably six months. We had, you know, builders and contractors coming in, getting bids. We we had already been talking with you about, you know, like copywriting and trademarking names. And we, I mean, we had worked on it really hard. And You
0: had architectural drawings. We had, yeah,
1: architectural drawings. Um and side note, we also had some private investors, family friends of Nate's, that said they would kind of bankroll majority of it if we all put in, you know, I think maybe 25 or 50%. So at some point we realized that it wasn't going to work out with the building owner, and we told him that we just wanted to lease from him you know, no, no ownership. And in retaliation, he said, okay, I want my daughter to be a part of it. And we clearly said, no, that's absurd. There's no reason. And so like the day before we were supposed to sign the lease, he gave it away to somebody else who Pete Kirkwood who owns the workshop.
0: (laughs) Which you're on good to be fair. You're probably on good terms with it. Yeah. Nice guy. guy.
1: Yeah. Nice guy. Um, yeah, he had no idea what was going on, but So that completely took the wind out of our sails. I mean, the investors were kind of, you know, banking on us having this location and working everything through it. And so then we just were left scrambling and we went looking all around Traverse City, trying to find any possible spot that would work. And we ended up finding the spot on Lake Avenue, which is our location now. And at the time it was professional office space. So it was like drop ceilings broken up into a bunch of little rooms. It was really, really tough to see it as a brewery, but you know, we'd like poke our head through the ceiling tiles and we decided like, this could be really sweet old 1931 brick building. So we went ahead, we signed the lease. We, uh, they started demoing it for us. Um, and at that point, I think Nate and I had put in all of our own money, the parents' money that they had loaned us. Um, we were like a hundred thousand dollars into it, and the the investors backed out.
0: And I, I remember this very vividly <laughs> because my office was above you yep. at the time. I, uh, <laughs> I remember coming downstairs, and I think I can't remember if it was you or if it was Nate, but one of you was in a hole in the ground in the dirt. Uh,
1: Inside of the I building,
0: <laughs> I think you were digging out some of the... Um,
1: for the plumbing. Yeah, thing. for the plumbing, right. Yeah, that was me.
0: <laughs> and I can't remember if that was before or after this happened, but I just th- remember thinking to myself, number one, I have no idea how this spot's ever going to look like a brewery. <laughs> and not to be not to say I did you didn't have vision, but yeah, yeah. I, I didn't see it. It's, a lot of people didn't. They're it. like,
1: what the hell yeah. are you guys doing?
0: And then this happened, but talk about talk about what happened. I mean this is a pretty tragic event.
1: Right? Yeah, so I mean it completely it was like we were on the ground getting kicked in the stomach. I mean it we already got over the hump of getting our building taken from us. And you know, we got back on track, found a new cool building that we really liked and than this, I mean, it was, like, catastrophic at the time. So all we did was we went around to, like, every single bank in town, talked to anybody, I think friends of yours, like anybody that could possibly be an investor, an angel investor. We went through, like, every possible avenue, SBA loans, and it ended up the uh, First Community Bank here in town. They were willing to do a majority of the loan, but they needed, like, other people to kind of alleviate risk. So we had... Um, Northern Initiatives which they specialize in small business loans here in Michigan. They did a chunk of it. Cherryland Electric gave us a chunk.
0: It was 0% if I remember.
1: Correctly. Yeah, it's it's an awesome loan. Yeah, 0% very cool interest. Community yeah. Loan. Yep, that was that was huge. Um, and then oh, two of the loans, one from First Community and the one from Northern Initiatives are SBA backed loans. So we went through every possible avenue. It took months to get it all figured out. The whole government shutdown crisis happened right when we were supposed to close on the SBA loans, and That's we were really, right. like had people to pay. So because of that, we started an Indiegogo page, and we were able to raise I think like fifteen thousand dollars. Yeah, and-
0: t- let's talk about that a little bit because <laughs> it, it was really innovative. It was a lot of people have done it since. Mm-hmm. Um, They've also done it through things like local stake where they've traded equity in exchange for investment. Um, You did this in a really cool way. Talk (laughs) about the incentives that you provided because I think they were really great.
1: Well, yeah. So we, we tried to do as much homework as we could. We looked at like probably hundreds of different profiles and, you know, looking at really good ones that totally over exceeded what they were asking for and ones that totally failed. And we tried to pick apart, you know, what made it successful, what made it fail. And so we decided, A, you have to have a great video, really important. So we hired um, actually a kid that Nate babysat for, back in the day, but really good tree fort collective. I think they're called really good video production place here in town. And they did an awesome job on that, on the video. So we got that done and then we decided that incentives, you can't just be like, Hey, give us money, help. (laughs) (laughs) So we, we like pre-sold mug club memberships. Um, You could put your name on a stool. You could get a special like one-off t-shirt with a member. I don't know. There's all sorts of cool stuff, but the bigger ones being like, a founding membership. So for five hundred dollars you get this lifetime membership, your cool owned ceramic mug with a twenty ounce two dollar fill for life. Which is a huge deal. Yeah. I mean mean, something I mean you're saving like two fifty a pour plus the extra four ounces. So the math is If you come in once a week, it'll pay itself in like a year or two.
0: That's why I got fat for a long time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But we had the bigger ones, or the the one that Revision did, where for a thousand or fifteen hundred, somewhere around there. You could sponsor a tank, so you got your name up on the tank, and you put a really cool, the Benjamin Franklin, or... No,
0: no it was Hunter S. Thompson. Hunter S.
1: Thompson, yeah. Quote. yeah. We
0: tried to keep it in theme of the brewery, and yeah, I, I tried to awesome. pick something that you, I thought you guys would like. So. I like it, okay, yeah. yeah, yep.
1: And uh, so, yeah, that included you know the founding membership, but we just tried to make it appealing for people. You know, not necessarily... I, there was a ton of support from family and friends of people that you know, got these memberships, and they've never used them. But there was also people that just saw it as a good deal. Like, cool, I'm gonna get this awesome membership and help at the same time. So we just tried to make it not just a charity pity party, but the biggest thing we got out of it is seeing all the support. I mean, we'd been talking about it and had stuff on Facebook, and people were always asking us, you know, what's happening? When's it starting? But we were ages away from actually opening at that point i mean it was i don't even know if we'd like framed out the building i think we just <laughs> had like the plumbing put in or something so to see all that support from the community and family and friends was like something that really got us going and like amped up again i was like all right we are gonna do this we're gonna crush it and just like kept running from there, basically. So
0: you get a bank loan, you get a what is effectively a community kind of development loan. Mm-hmm. You get uh, you threw in a lot of money yourself. Mm-hmm. Nate threw in a lot of money himself. Um, you get the mm-hmm. money from crowdfunding. Is it enough to open? What what is a what is a brewery of this size? And you don't have to tell us specific numbers, but I think it's helpful for people to understand. Just the sheer cost of equipment because it is yeah. so massively expensive.
1: It's very expensive. Breweries, I mean, those tanks you see in the windows, like fermenters and serving tanks, those are $8,000 a piece. And, you know, we have 11 of them or something. So, I mean, it's a huge cost. I think the brew house alone costs around $150,000 just equipment. And so I think overall it ended up costing us roughly half million. Wow. But that was another funny part is this is where you came in to help all the time. The landlord, we had it in a contract, the build out. So he was supposed to take the space and build it to a certain point and then we were supposed to take it from there, but he never came through on his end of the deal so that's where we got into the whole battle of should we sue him should we not we have this contractual obligation but in the end if we sue him where does it put us even though 100% we thought we would win it because he
0: (laughs) yeah no I I understand it I I think um before we came on there I was telling you I'm having the same problem now so this is not a problem that is unique to People who are not lawyers, it's mm. it's really that cost-benefit analysis of, do I sue this person and waste 6 to 12 months suing them, or do I just undertake the costs and hope that yeah. I open my doors and I get back to business almost immediately? Right.
1: So, yeah, because of it, I mean, when we priced everything out, he was supposed to do something like $140,000 worth of work. We didn't have that in our budget. It was supposed to be taken care of by him. So, we had to get crafty. We decided that Nate and I would be the general contractors. We did all of the building, all the construction that we could, that we legally could. Like, so we couldn't do electrical, couldn't do plumbing, um, no HVAC. But beyond that, I mean, we were the contractors. (laughs) We had a ton of help from, like, family and friends. People that showed up every day like it was their job. So we definitely couldn't have done it without them, but we just had to get creative because otherwise there's no way it was going to happen. We couldn't go to the bank again and be like, "So we we're like a hundred thousand dollars <laughs> off," <laughs> and it did. It saved us tons of money. It's and it looks
0: good. I I've copied three things, at least three things, out of your place. Nice. My, the dinner nice. table that I have yeah, in my house yeah, is the now slabs. the exact mm-hmm. same as your slabs in your place. Yeah, and the floors.
1: Oh, yeah, I the, copied
0: our basement floors for our theater room because ter- you did What something. do
1: they call it, terrazzo when you polish concrete? I think so, yeah
0: But they, it looks too. great So the idea that um, you know you had to serve as a general Well, you you have some skill set <laughs> <laughs> I don't want you to understand It's
1: undersell called it. YouTube <laughs> <laughs> I had never done I built a chicken coop beforehand just to like make sure I could build something Really? Yeah <laughs> <laughs> And it is one hell of a chicken coop I think I could live in it but, uh, yeah, I mean, it just came out of necessity. And then, like, things like the concrete floor. I mean, it wasn't cheap to polish it, but it was way cheaper than putting something on top of sure, all of it. Wood. Something that looked cool, right. you know. And, like, the wood on the walls, it was because that was free. And so we just chopped up a bunch of apple boxes and threw them up.
0: And so, it looks great.
1: Yeah, it's just, it came out of necessity. I mean, we always wanted that feel, of, like, you know, kind of industrial, but a lot of reclaimed, rustic, and cozy. So, yeah, it it all ended up working out. Obviously, we're open, we're doing good, but it was the scariest roller coaster of my life.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure it continues to be scary as a business owner. But at least mm-hmm. it's not the unpredictable scariness of, yeah. of opening.
1: <laughs> yeah, right now, like. I think we would have to, like, burn down or get horribly sued. Like, there are things that could happen to, like, really knock us on our ass. But overall, the big stuff is done. And, like, we just get to roll with it now, which is a huge relief. I think it took, like, years off my life in the process.
0: Oh, yeah. It'll happen. (laughs) So now that you've gone through this process, would you ever do it again?
1: Yeah, absolutely. But You probably
0: feel like you're smarter about it.
1: Well, yeah. And, I mean that's another thing going into it we definitely made mistakes just trusting people and you know i was 26 when we started planning it i think 28 when we opened i i didn't know you know i i like to think i'm pretty smart and savvy and pretty good at judging people most of the time but there's just certain things that we couldn't predict like we had a contract with our landlord for him to do this work so as far as we saw it it was a done deal it was safe it was you know legally abiding him but there was nothing we could do in the end besides get into a nasty battle and where does it put us in the end
0: right right
1: you'll, you'll live and you'll learn and so next time yeah like hopefully I go about it in a much safer, wiser way.
0: <laughs> so I hope you don't mind, but I want to talk a little bit about um, how you came up with the name.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I want to discuss the process of getting this trademark registration for Rare Bird. Oh, yeah. If you don't mind. If no. you don't mind me disclosing it, because I think it's really no, interesting No, I, I thought
1: it was... I was... Scared again but you did an awesome job well
0: tell me so tell us about the name and I guess give us some background on Nate because I think the name partially comes from totally
1: yeah so um before I even moved to Traverse City Russ came back and told the staff that this girl was coming to be a brewer and that I had worked in New Zealand banding kiwis Nate is like a huge birder he is to this day he is he is like a point of reference in town people in like serious birders professionals will come and ask him stuff he's no joke a birder oh
0: yeah he's serious
1: he's serious (laughs) and so when he heard that this girl was coming that had worked with kiwis in new zealand like super endangered very rare bird species he like when he first saw me he just comes up and he's like hey is it true that you banded kiwis New Zealand? You know, like didn't say hey i'm nate i heard about you blah, blah, blah. i just looked at him I'm like who the hell are you i'm like yeah <laughs> and so that's like my first you know recollection of him meeting him and uh so that was kind of always the thing that we had in common i'm not a huge birder i was doing it more on like the scientific end with my biology degree but uh yeah, that, and then being a female brewer in the brewing industry, I mean, we kind of play off of that, like, I can also be the rare bird, like, it's it's not very common, you don't see it much. No,
0: other. and it's really cool, I think that's, um, I, it, that's why I think this is such a cool podcast, or an opportunity to have a cool podcast, because no one hears from brewers, and then no one hears from female brewers, it's such a rare thing, and it's really cool to, I don't know, I, I'm i happy that I know you, because I think it's a cool thing. <laughs> So from my perspective, we you wanted this trademark.
1: Yeah.
0: We filed for it, and we got a rejection on the basis that there was a guy out in California, if I remember correctly. Florida, I, Florida, I think. Florida, that's right, yeah. who owned a winery, and the winery...
1: Not even.
0: Oh, no, that's right. He was labeling
1: they were it. Yeah, they yeah. were importing it from Italy that's and right. just putting a name on it.
0: That's right, and so this guy owned... A similar trademark.
1: It was Rare Bird. Yeah. Rare Bird Wines or something.
0: Yep. Yeah. And so uh, we got this rejection. We tried to overcome the rejection. And then we were kind of stuck because we got a <laughs> final refusal.
1: And for the record, we had already, like again, gotten way too deep into yep. this. And I think there was around. signage order and everything. <laughs> oh, made. yeah. Like, Absolutely. We had, we had hired the graphic designer long ago. Had the sweet logo. Had our whole like image based on. It. I mean, this was way past the Indiegogo phase, so people knew Rare Bird. We'd already branded it; it was already a thing. So there was no way we could go back and change it.
0: Yeah, and I, I unfortunately I deal with that all the time, uh, especially in the brewing industry, because a lot mm. of people are now. Uh, there was a lot of breweries. Number one, but a lot of people are starting to sue each other because there's a lot of confusion all in between the time. names. Yeah. I mean, you saw Dolls this year. Uh, they had a trademark trial on the Peel Bore issue. And then, uh, you know, obviously, Vivant had an issue mm-hmm. in Grand Rapids.
1: It's so, all over the place, yeah.
0: So, from my perspective, my thought was well, we need to clear this immediately so that you're not in danger moving <laughs> down the line. So, luckily, we were able to talk to this guy. He, seemed, he was actually a nice guy.
1: Yeah, thank God. Yeah, and
0: so I (laughs) I sent him photos of you. I sent him photos of the brewery and I sent him
1: me in the trench digging. Yeah,
0: not that, (laughs) but but I actually it was a photo of your uh, you had a, a poster, coming soon poster, on the outside of the building. Oh yeah, on the Lake Ave side. Yeah. and I sent him a photo of that, and I sent him a photo of the equipment that wasn't even hooked up yet. Uh-huh. And I just made this appeal to his kind of <laughs> <laughs> his Help human us, nature. Yeah, please. like look, these guys are building this brewery out. Yeah. Can you agree that there's no confusion? And the guy, like I said, he was a nice guy. He said yes.
1: Yeah, and we so just had to like cover their legal fees or something. Yeah, which wasn't much and no, it totally wasn't much reasonable. At all. So nice. And we weren't even sure that that was going to work, though, right? No, like, we
0: weren't sure at all.
1: That was questionable. Even if the guy agreed, the government agency could say
0: too Right, bad. yeah. So the, the process is basically you get what's called a coexistence agreement or mm-hmm. a consent to register agreement. We got that from this guy. And then the risk is that you submit it to the U.S. and Trademark Office and the examining attorney will say, eh, sorry, no. Still
1: no. <laughs>
0: Thankfully, that didn't happen here.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. But yeah, I wanted to talk about that because I thought it was a, it it was a difficult mark to get and I thought it was a cool and interesting story. Yeah,
1: no, you handled it like a champ. I was definitely nervous (laughs) there for a bit once I was like, "Oh, Well, I was too,
0: (laughs) especially because I don't want to let you guys down. (laughs) Um, So that's all I've got. I just, I'm glad that you came in. I know you're busy and I appreciate you stopping by. And is there anything that you want to talk about? Anything you want to say?
1: No, we covered all the really fun, scary stuff that I don't necessarily get to talk about.
0: (laughs) Cool. Well, I I appreciate it. And uh, if if anyone is in the area, if you hear this, stop by Rare Bird. What's your website?
1: Uh, rarebirdbrewpub.com.
0: Cool. And you're on Facebook?
1: Yeah, that's even more up to date. That's the way to go. Okay. Facebook.com slash rarebirdbrewpub.
0: Yeah, so stop in, check out the food. The food's great. The menu yeah. just changed recently. It's amazing.
1: Yeah. Lindsay, our chef, 25-year-old girl, and she's killing yeah, it. Yeah,
0: she's killing it. Yeah. It's awesome. And the beer is amazing as well. Uh I'm still trying to get Tina to name a beer after my dog, Grimace.
1: Mm the Grimmy View. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, it, it can happen. I love that dog. <laughs>
0: but that's all we've got. Thank you for listening and Eric will be back next week and we appreciate it. Bye. Bye.